0: Your amazement of how wonderful I am at leading singing? Amen. You're more like your, yeah. I can always trust you, Linda, for that insincere applause. All right. No, I appreciate it. I do. That's God bless you. Thank you. You encourage me. Uh, just tell your husband he needs to get back or he's in trouble. So uh, uh, Romans chapter 7, let me get this all turned on. Normally I get this all prepared during the the song, but Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, we see the doctrine of sin or the sin nature uh, is really presented and and it's really driven home in here, this doctrine of the sin nature. And uh, and that's so very important because without Romans chapter 7, we don't really fully understand justification or the need of justification. And justification is, is essential of course to our salvation we have to understand this justification you know just as though I'd never sinned well uh first of all and this is the real error you know that that many make but we've got to acknowledge the fact that we are sinners and and uh the simple fact is you know when you say you know I was a sinner saved by grace well guess what you're saved by grace and you're still a sinner uh, you know, what, we are sinners, and that's what Romans chapter 7 is going to drive home to us. So, Romans chapter 7, uh, verse 11 is where, I believe, pretty much where we stopped off last time. It says, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Pretty serious there. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear, sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual. Now, I want you to notice that what it, what it, we're going to go back and talk about this, but notice as you're reading this, uh, what, is, what it keeps saying about the law of God, the law of God. It says that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh... and Thankfully, that's there, that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Verse 21, it says, for I I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You know, he says it's a law. It's a law that that evil is still present in my body, in my flesh. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, and that's a wonderful thing, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And I love this, but O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless, guide my mind, my thoughts tonight. Lord, help me to make this as clear as possible. And Lord, uh, it's very simplistic in some ways, but Lord, so very deep in others that we have to understand. We have to get a clear concept of who we really are and uh, how much we need grace and how much we need the Savior, how much we need to be justified. And Lord, I pray, please, Lord, that you would bless us and help us to see this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we begin here at verse 11. It says, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good sin had its that a uh, word occasion sin had its starting point or or uh, by taking its opportunity it's kind of its starting point of opportunities where it, it right here it, by taking occasion it, it's saying uh it, it began it said i'm gonna take advantage of my opportunity basically what it said uh, uh right here when when the commandment came what did what did it do with this its opportunities real clear. It took its opportunity, and it deceived us and slew us. It brought death to man. You see, as soon as sin uh, came, I mean, when sin, the commandment came, sin said, I've got an opportunity now. And what he did was he, he, he came to man and said, you in your flesh, you can't keep that commandment. You're dead. Because the only way you're going you're to go to heaven, the only way you're going to make it uh, is through c- fulfilling all the command. And it's already said, you know, if you violate one command, you, you're guilty of all. And he said, sin said, you're done. You're done. I just brought death to you because you can't do it. Sin had its starting point. Even though sin used good to bring death, that does not negate the fact that the law is good. And this is where a lot of confusion comes in. And somehow, we're almost to the point that we're, you know, our world and our Christianity, somehow we're making the law bad. I, I read another guy, you know, the, you know, the law is, is, is done away with. The law is gone. The law is no more. The, 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 he even said, the Ten Commandments, they have nothing to do with us today. I'm like, man, do you know what you're saying? Obviously, we do not keep the law. We've already learned this from Romans. We can't keep the law. We're sinners, and we, we, the law showed us, uh, schoolmaster, we can't keep it, but that's completely different than being just wiped out. It's gone. No, the law is still good and holy and just. And so, even though sin uh, used to bring death, uh, that does not negate the fact that the law is good. It uses good to bring death. The Scripture says that the law is holy, the commandment is holy, just, and good. Truth is truth, and right is right, even when right and truth reveal wrong and lies. And that's what it does. You know, right and truth makes real clear what's wrong and what's lies. It reveals it all. And so it brings us to verse 13. It says, was then that which is good made death unto me. Saying, okay, so, so it's, and again, it's, he's saying, he's going, I'm going to deal with what you're going to have to deal with in 2017. He, he said, look, he said, the commandment didn't bring you death. Sin brought you death. The commandment didn't bring death. Was it then it, uh, that which is good? That which is good, is, of course, the commandment made death unto me, God forbid, but sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. The question is asked, is that which is good, which is the law, does it bring me death? And God says just clearly, absolutely not. God forbid. No, the law doesn't bring you death, but sin. Sin brings death. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Not the commandment. Sin brings the death. The fact that we can't keep the commandment doesn't make the commandment wrong. The fact that we have sin in our lives doesn't make the commandments wrong. The commandment made sin appear or look like what it is. Sin is the bringer of death, and the commandment revealed this to us. Sin working, the Scripture says, or fashions in me death. How do I know this? By that which is good. The law shows me then I'm a sinner. The law makes it clear that I'm a sinner. The law put out there, I mean, if you just put the 10 down there, we can't, none of us can even, you know, complete that whole list through a, through a lifetime. We just can't do it. Uh, you know, sadly, God says that all men are liars. Well, we're toast then because if we offended one, we offended it in all, and and we're already, we're liars. And so, how do I know this? By that which is good, the law. God wanted us not to only recognize sin, but see sin as it is, which is exceeding sinful. Now, I've got a really, really simple illustration. All right. That's us. We've That's us when we're past 40. Um, as you can see the shape there. Uh, But that's a sin in us. And before the law came, there we are, we're living and we think we're doing pretty good. But you know the truth is, sin was still in us and I just got this all over my hand. I don't know why that happens to me. But what happens then, the law came. And when the law came It just revealed in us how bad we really are. It revealed to us how wicked our sin is. It revealed to us how dark and black our sin really is. That's what it did. The law came, and as you'll notice, as we grow and understand the law, We understand more and more things are wrong. You see, again, you know, so many people today is, and and I just recently had somebody say, "You just don't, you don't need to name sin." I like to have a well. The problem is, God does. God names sin. So, okay, you're right. I don't need to name sin. All I got to do is preach the Bible to you, and it will name sin. But see, as that's changing, you know what's happening. That's the life that's learning more and more what's right and wrong. And in this world where we don't want to be told what's right and wrong, God says there's still right and wrong. And God says the more you learn what is right and wrong, the more you'll understand the sin in your life. You'll understand that things in your life are wrong. And as we begin to, as that changes and becomes so real to us, there's a thing called conviction that comes inside of us because now we know there's some, something we've, all, we've been doing for maybe a long time. Suddenly we realize this it's not right. Now, I know this world tells us that there's really no absolutes, and so you can't have right and wrong if there's no absolutes. But I'm just telling you, God still says there's absolutes. And He's got some thou shall not. And can I tell you, even if he doesn't say, thou shalt not, he's got a lot of principles that teach us that you should not, a lot of different things. I, I was listening today, look at this, I was listening today and uh, coming in this morning and there was a pretty good preacher, I actually, I, you know, I'm kind of, I've listened to him you know, on the radio coming back and forth and another one of those that just blew me out of the water when he said, he started preaching today. And I thought he might. It might be decent, you know. He's he's fairly decent. He said, uh, he said, you know, I'm going to talk to you about those things in our in in you know in our lives, in our Christian lives that we should not do, not because they're wrong, but because the the more immature Christian may think it's wrong. And he's talking about you know if, if my meat offends you if I eat the meat, you know, talking about meat offered to idols and different things things like that. He said if I if I eat that meat and and it offends you or you think I shouldn't be eating that meat then you know I'm not going to eat it in front of you I'm not going to do that and 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 of course that's biblical and and uh, you know we 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 shouldn't you know we need to be careful what we do and not just run around and say, I can do whatever I want to do and I don't care how it affects anybody but then he went on to start saying listing off different things that probably you shouldn't do as a mature Christian you would know that it's totally okay but you shouldn't do it because immature Christians may think it's wrong. And so he started into some different things. And then he, he got into alcohol. And he put a beer, you know, it's, I can see it, but he put a beer up on his pulpit. And, you know, he said, I know some of you are shocked right now. But he just made the blatant statement. He said there's, there's nothing biblically wrong with alcohol. And he said... He said, and he said, J alcohol like cigarettes. It does and you can find no place that says thou shalt not. Then he went on and he said, you know, he said, these things are not like abortion or uh or homosexual marriage. And I'm sitting there thinking, I want to holler at the guy. Show me where it says thou shalt not as a man marry a man. Where it says I'm, when I'm talking about the words, thou shalt not. Or the words that say uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. I mean, or, or thou shalt, I'm sorry, thou shalt not uh, abort a baby. Well, those words like that are not in there, but the principles and the truths are taught all through Scripture. <laughs> I mean, everyone has been in church very long. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And I don't know if you know the opposite of wisdom? That'd be a fool. I mean that that's just one verse. I I talked to the ladies uh not not too long ago, but I just I did a a whole session on this thing and went through I think quite a few verses and a quite, quite a bit of information that it's it's so there. No, it never says, Thou shalt not drink a beer. And that's one of the statements he made. You won't find where it says, you, Thou shalt not have a beer. Like, you're retarded, man. They didn't have Budweiser then. Do you, you notice that some things bother me? I'm not sure this one needs to go on the Internet, so. It was just uh, mind boggling. The, 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 but that's where anything that they want to be able to do, you've got to have a thou shalt not attached. or They've got to be able to find a thou shalt not, or it's okay to do it. Now, anything they might happen to be against, or oh, you can take the most vague principle out of the Bible in the world, and they'll say, oh, here's the proof that it. But if they want to do it, oh, show me a thou shalt not. Well, it's not one of the Ten Commandments. There's not a whole lot of others that he said, Thou shalt not. But the truths are in there. The principles are in there. It's taught over and over again. Anyway, verse 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, But I am carnal, sold under sin. And can I tell you, that's why we struggle with the law still today. That's why we want to do away with it. That's why we want to convince everybody that when God said that it's done away, you know, yes, I understand, we're not under the law anymore. Okay, we're not under the law. I'm not going to get saved by keeping the law because the law is already proven to me nobody can keep it. Remember, this is in the New Testament where this is all being said. So I don't think that grace eliminated the law. You see, he says, for we know that the law is spiritual. Now, when is this being said? This is being said in the New Testament, not in the Old Testament. So the, old, the law must not be gone because he just said the law is spiritual. Are you understanding my reasoning here? you you understand my blue finger? They'll never understand that on this radio either. I would love the present world to understand and know the law is spiritual. And to whatever extent we live the law, we live it spiritually, not through fleshly efforts of determination and character. you got to live the law spiritually. And yes, it's done away with as far as a man and his flesh and his ability to live it it does not mean that we, we do not, through the Spirit of God, yield to it. So Paul writes, I'm carnal. This does not mean he's lost. The, not, the natural man is lost. The saved man is a carnal man when he is in bondage of sin, sold as a slave to sin. There's a great gulf fixed, just the terminology, between the carnal man and the holy law of God. The gulf is revealed first, as the Scripture says, I'm sold under sin. So I'm under sin and, and here we got the, the this holy law of God, and you got me over here. Uh, and there's a there's just this great gulf between us because I can never cross over there in my flesh. I can't make that. I can't do that. That's why Jesus had to come. The next we see the great gulf in verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Does that sound like anybody's testimony? Man, it just... I don't know, especially, you know, when I first started coming to church and trying to and and really started learning. And honestly, I started finding out that the Bible tells you the law. It gives you some right and wrong. And I'm like, wow, you know, I'm struggling here. The things that I do, but truthfully, I'm still struggling. And so I'm sold under sin, he says, and therefore I do not know or understand why I do the things which I do. That's what he's saying. He said, I just, he said, it doesn't even make sense. I just don't understand some of the things that I end up doing. I know they're wrong. I know I shouldn't be doing them. Everything in me says, don't do it. And then I do it. Now, the things I should do, I don't. The things that I should not do, I do, even though I hate myself when I do them. Every Christian has two natures. And no matter how much, so just right now, everybody here, just realize nobody in here is any better than anybody else. And you know, the other side of that, you're not any worse than anybody else. There's nobody here that's, that's got this thing, oh, you know, well, I, I'm, I'm a lot better sinner than you are. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you, I probably am a lot better sinner than you are. Because I can probably sin a lot better than you can. Uh, you know, the fact is, that's, it's crazy. And, and I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it, but I just I can't get away from that statement that Brother Howe said. You know, it's just so crazy for one piece of dirt to call another piece of dirt dirt. You know, I mean, it's a great statement. We're all dirt. We're all sinners. And then we're going to point our fingers at somebody else and say, Oh, you're sinning. Oh, really? Tell me something I didn't know. Why don't you pray for me? I'm serious. Why don't you pray for me? <laughs> now, every Christian has two natures, the, the flesh, which yearns to do what the Christian hates, and the new nature, the nature of God. These two natures are in constant conflict. We are at war all the time. We're in a battle all the time. From the, the, I'd say from the moment we wake up, but the truth is, I think we're at battle when we're asleep. Anybody ever just felt you You woke up and you were more tired when you got up than you went to bed? Anybody ever felt that way? Yeah, because I'm fighting a war all night. Look, you can, you can walk with God and pray and then have some of those worst dreams in the world. Just like, what in the world? And here's the bad part. I know it was horrible, and I can't remember it. I say, man I didn't sleep all night in this stupid dream. and just my wife said, Well, oh, what was it? I don't know. Couldn't have been that bad? I don't know. I just Galatians 5:17 says, "For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. We've got this incredible battle going on all the time. Again, you know, it's, it's old, 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 old story. But, you know, it's the, the old Indian chief that got saved, and he got saved. And, and the, the missionary came to him, and, and one day he said, Chief, you, you've been saved, and how are you doing now? And, and how is you going, your growth as you're serving the Lord? And, and he said, I've got a battle inside of me. He said, I've got a white dog and a black dog that are fighting all the time inside of me. And the missionary said, well, which one wins? He said, the one I feed the most. The one I feed the most. And so, we, you know, we, we really, we just think, okay, I'm a Christian now, so, you know, good's going to win out. No, what it, whatever you're feeding is going to win out. Now, this leads us to verse 16. And we probably won't get as far as I thought I was going to get, but verse 16, if, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Notice what he says, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. He's not saying when I do good, I say the law is good. He said when I don't do what I should, I have to acknowledge the fact the law is good. The law is right and I'm wrong. And when, I, when in my flesh I fail to live up to the holiness and goodness of the law, this does not make the law evil or wrong, but rather it reveals again how just and good the law really is. Sin in the world or in my life are revealed as exceedingly sinful by the holy law of God. So that it, it can't be wiped away, done away. Basically, you're saying, you know, throw away the Old Testament. No, that's not what it is. Verse 17 says, Now it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And that's a beautiful verse in the sense that he's saying, Look, that's not really me anymore. Anybody here say? You know what? We sin, but that's not us anymore. That part of us is going to die and fall away. We were dust, and we're going to go back to dust, and that body's going to go to dust, and guess what? We're going to have a new body. And that part of me that's me now, it's not the one that's sinning. He's the one in there that's fighting against that sin. He's the one that hates that sin. He's the one that struggles to go to sleep when I failed or when I've done the wrong thing or said the wrong thing or thought the wrong He's the one that is going to live eternally with Christ. As a Christian, there is the eternal me. My spirit is made alive eternally by the Holy Spirit of God. So when I sin, what is revealed is the carnal part of me. The sin that remains in my flesh, the sin in flesh that wars against my spirit. Verse 18 says, For I know that that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, But how to perform that which is good, I find not. He's saying in my flesh, I can't do good. I can't can't do the good that I want to do. And listen, folks, this is a really good passage, this chapter. This is real good, good evidence for inspiration. How many of you, if you were just writing... Would you spend a whole chapter telling how stinking, rotten, and wicked you are? How much of a failure you are? Would you just keep saying over and over again, the things I ought to do, I don't do, the things I ought not do, those are the things I do? That's what he just keeps saying over and over again. You know who's having him say that? God, because God wants us to understand who we are. Here's where we live. This is where the rubber meets the road. There's nothing good in my flesh. All of my righteousness is filthy rags to God. I got real thirsty. I just started to drink that. I really did. I was thinking like this Kool-Aid or something. Must Jim Jones, anybody wants Kool Aid? My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And for the will is present with me. The Scripture I want to do right. I want to live godly. I want to live holy. I want to live according to the laws of God. But how to perform it? How to day by day, moment by moment, I just cannot seem to figure out how to do it. Anybody feel that way? Am I just that weird? Because I feel that way. It's just really hard to make it through a day. Make it through a day where you say all the right things. Now, come on now. You've got to agree with me. If you're married, you've got to understand this. Because it's not even just what you say. It's how you say it. <laughs> you know, I'm the only one who's ever heard that before. No? <laughs> My wife, just look at your face. I can't look at my face, and I'm not going to talk to you while I'm looking in a mirror. <laughs> if you could just see your face, you would know. <laughs> well, I'm glad I can. All All right. Because I'm enjoying acting the way I'm acting right now. So, verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil, ooh, but the evil which I would not that I do. He's not just now just saying the things I do. He's saying the evil. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. You know what that word dwelleth means? Dwelleth means to cohabit. Dwelleth means to cohabit, means to live together. He's saying that the sin and me, the real me, we live together. We're always together. Again, this is a great picture of marriage, but we're always together. You ought to get that, did you? And the, uh, we, we are always together. And it's, and, and he said, it, ha, he lives with me. You know what he's saying? I can't get rid of him. He torments me. He's always harassing me. He's always trying to pull me down. This long battle called life that we spend fighting against the flesh can become wearisome. You know, when I was much, much younger, I thought, man, you know, I, you know people talk about heaven, talk about dying. I think, man, not now, time out. You know, I, I got a lot of things to do. But, you know, the older you get, the, the, the more weary you get, the more beat up you get and i'm I'm catching a glimpse of how you know you can get to the point where you think you know it's probably not really that bad to finally be free of this constant battle yep you you're free now you're free is that is that a movement of the spirit or is it it's all right it's all right toby i don't want to embarrass you unless unless I can um you okay? I got to tell you all this story. Just to make Colby feel better. I was one time in a, in a church service. And let me just, you know, make this excuse. You know, I was working a lot of hours. Um, I wasn't waiting tables. The, um, so, uh, when I was working a lot of hours, and I was sitting there with my wife and kids all there, and, and, and uh, man, I was struggling to stay awake. And I I can remember saying, I got this. I really do. I mean, I got this. I'm awake. I'm, I'm doing good. Doing good. And about that time, my head hit the pew in front of me. Wham! I mean, like everybody could hear everywhere. Bam! I hit that pew. And you know what I realized? I realized I was dreaming that I was awake. I really was. I was dreaming. I was awake because my head slammed up. All right, now, it's a long battle. We're in a long battle. The world's solution is just not to fight it. Just don't fight the battle. Just don't try. Give it up. That's the world. You know, they just say, well, the world is even, even worse than that. Don't fight the battle. They say there is no battle. So just do whatever you want to. Then there's no battle to be fought. Many Christians, I'm afraid, are finding that as their solution simply to justify and condone everything. You know, I'm, I'm a sinner, so, you know, hey, it's the best I can do. Such a depressing battle we must fight, but what is really the battle? If I fight in my flesh against the flesh, the battle is already lost. And this is where we don't understand so often is that we get in this battle and we fight this battle and it wearies us. But the truth is, if we understand, we are, we've already lost the battle if we fight the flesh in the flesh. Amen. It's a spiritual warfare. We've got to fight the flesh in the Spirit of God. Now... Verse 21, it says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. That's a law, he says. This is so strong, Paul calls it a law, the law of sin. In my flesh, even if I try to do good, evil is still present. No matter what I do, to the day I take my last breath and absent from the body, present with the Lord. Until that moment, sin's present in me. Until that moment, sin's present in every one of us. So we're going to mess up. We're going to fall short you're not left to battle this battle alone the inward man the holy spirit of god has made alive my spirit in this battle that rages in me i have the power and the authority of jesus christ to overcome paul stresses how intense this battle is but the ending in the ending, we find the answer. Yes, we are held in captivity. Uh, the law of the sin, verse twenty three says. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And this this is hard, and it's often a discouraging situation. As he he keeps over and over describing the fact that we are just we're bound in this, we're we cohabit in this sin, we're we we are just we are not conquered, but but. We can't get rid of this battle, this sin inside of us. Every battle could be won, though. Here's what we've got to understand. Every battle could be won through the power of the resurrected Christ. I shall, number two, I shall one day be delivered from the body of this flesh, and all that will remain is my spiritual body in Christ. No more will sin rule. No more will be the, be the law of sin. Until that day, I'm in a battle. But a battle much like uh, just a picture of this, the battle of the Armageddon, will not be fought by me, but by the Savior. I am simply present to enjoy the victory. And if I'm going to be victorious today, I've got to understand, I cannot fight it in my flesh. I've got to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God. And that brings us verse twenty four. He says, "O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death?" and And I've heard several different illustrations on this, but but one of them uh, was impacted me the most. And and I really don't know. You get so many different illustrations, different books say different things, but this is very possible when they said that the body of this death, the reference he's making that when someone caused the death of another person that at this time, that one of the penalties that they might enforce upon that person that murdered the person or caused the death was to take that person and strap the dead person and strap him to them he'd be tied to him he may be tied face to face to him and he was going to have to walk around with that dead body rotting on him which in fact would kill him Because of the disease and and all the infection that would end up body to body, strapped tightly together, night and day, that was the penalty. And Paul is saying, Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? This thing that's attached to me, this thing that's destroying me, this thing that's eating me up, this thing that's decaying me and just tormenting me. Who's going to deliver me? And it's so wonderful. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who's going to deliver me? Jesus. And how's he going to do it? He's going to deliver me from this body. This body is attached to me, and I can't get rid of it, and it's rotting, it's decaying, and it's it's killing me. But the real me, one day, is going to be set free and be delivered. And who's going to deliver me? Jesus. Jesus. He says, so then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Every battle that sin wins, there's a truth that will overcome, and the battle may be lost, but the war is won through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have a battle. We have a very intense battle. We have a, a long battle. Hopefully it's a long battle. For it to be short is kind of disappointing, but it's a long battle. You say, well, man, that's just a miserable way to live. Paul's saying, man, This wretched body, who's going to deliver me from it? I hate it. So, no, the Lord's, through this whole chapter, He's trying to show us the depravity of sin. He's trying to show us the carnality of sin. He's trying to show us the sin that we live with, that we will not conquer in our own flesh. There there is no... Total sanctification in this life—it's not going to happen. You can't do it. And he's trying to teach us this. Now he he gives us a lot of other hope through the book of Romans, and that hope just clearly is the Holy Spirit of God. If you yield, the authority of Jesus Christ—he gives you great authority, gives you great power. He can. You can get through any situation, and any given sin could be overcome if we would yield to the Holy Spirit at that moment. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. How am have a word of prayer, and Brother Bob, well, i tell you what, you have a word of prayer.